Welcome to Jersey Guy Sports, your sports talk home for the Yanks, the Giants, the Rangers, and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, and I'm your host, Don. I want to thank you for listening, and today we'll be talking about the Rutgers Scarlet Knights beating Miami 31-24 in the pinstripe ball. Kyle Manungai carried the team and gave RU a 7-6 record and a bowl win. So let's go ahead and get started. It's a good day for Rutgers fans as Rutgers beat Miami 31-24 in the pinstripe ball in Yankee Stadium. Now, Rutgers started this game off really, really strong with Kyle Manungai, and it just continued throughout the whole game. This is a really big win for Rutgers, who was 6-6 six and six before the game, wanted to end this season on a winning note, to have a winning record, and to finally exercise some demons and beat the Miami Hurricanes, who just throughout their history have just killed Rutgers way back to the Big East days. So this was a big win in a lot of ways. Rutgers ended up starting really strong, going up 14-0, riding the back of Colin Ungai, just run after run after run. Wimsat wasn't awful, didn't do a lot, but he completed a few passes, a couple on third down too, um, and did the game with like 80 yards of passing or something. We'll look at the stats later. But this game was all about Colin Ungai, the Rutgers offensive line, and some pretty good defense when it counted. Um, the defense played great early on, and that certainly spurred Rutgers to a 14-0 lead. Then the Miami quarterback, Ja'Cory Brown, he's a third stringer, by the way. Uh, he hadn't played a snap this whole season. He started moving the team down the field, and this was aided by some really fucking pathetic Rutgers penalties. Consecutive 15-yarders, by the way, on defensive end Aaron Lewis. Oh, what a fucking idiot. Um, there were both personal foul penalties, and it helped Miami move down the field and score a touchdown. I mean, one was like a blatant face mask. The other was a dumbass smack to the quarterback after the play was over by two or three seconds. Just dumbass penalties. One after another on Aaron Lewis. I don't know what the hell he was thinking. So that helped Miami get back in the game. It changed the momentum. And Miami scored the next 17 points after being down 14-0. So in the third quarter, it was 17-14 Miami. And Rutgers had a play that changed the momentum for the rest of the game. They blocked a Miami punt, recovered it in the end zone, and took a 21-17 lead that we would hold on to basically for the rest of the game. That block punt changed everything. I mean, the momentum was clearly on Miami's side at that point. They had scored the last 17 points. And that block punt, which is a staple of Greg Shiano teams, it changed everything. Um, if you remember the first time Shiano was here, we would block kicks, block punts all the time. And they showed a stat during the game where we're between 6th and 10th in blocks for kicks and <clears throat> um, punts in the country, again, under Shiano during the second stay here. So um, this is good stuff, and, and it certainly was a big play in the game, and it changed a lot. Miami ended up scoring a touchdown, you know, in the final minute to make it 31-24. Then they recovered an onside kick to really give Rutgers fans a heart attack, but ultimately ran out of time and space, and Rutgers held on for what I think is a program-building bowl win over the Miami Hurricanes. And this is a big deal, guys. It's really a big deal and a big win for Rutgers. It probably wouldn't have meant too much at all to the Hurricanes, but it meant a lot to Rutgers fans. And if you're a Miami fan, sorry. If you're a Rutgers fan, you know what it means. So this is a great thing. Let's take a look at a few of the stats here real quick. This is going to be a short podcast. Um, for passing, let's see, where is it? Gavin Wimsat, eh, 7 of 15 for 84 yards. He didn't have any touchdowns, but he didn't have any interceptions, although he had one or two shaky throws. Um, so, you know, that's fine. You know, we need a new quarterback, guys. I'm not going to go into that here. I'm very happy today. I'm not going to go into 
quarterbacking, Wimsat is going to continue to hold us down until we get a new quarterback. We, you can only do so well in college football um, with the quarterback that we have, and it's we're just going to continue to lose to good teams with him there. But it is what it is, and he didn't hurt us today, um, although it certainly restricted our play calling. All we did was run Manungai, and we were lucky enough to play well enough and have the offensive line push enough to uh, do really well, just running the ball. And, and Kalman on guy, speaking of him, 25 rushes, 163 yards. He end, had a touchdown. He averaged 6.5 yards a carry, and he's coming back for next year, guys. So um, we have a lot of our starters, both on defense and offense, coming back next year. Um, Manungai got big play after big play. He had a big 40-yard run where – for some reason, Shano challenge. I don't know why. They called him out at the one-yard line, where, so it would have been first and goal at the one anyway. I don't know. Shano's uh, game day coaching still has me questioning some things about him. I think he's a great recruiter. I think he's a great coach. I think he builds great teams. He develops great players. Some of his game day decisions, though, I don't understand. I mean, it's first and goal at the one. I mean, if you don't challenge it, the worst thing that's happened is you have first and goal at the one. You got four chances to get it in. I mean, you can't risk what ultimately happened in that. He lost the challenge and lost the timeout. I mean, it was a close game at that point. We can't risk, you know, not having a timeout. Anyway, bottom line is Manungai did tremendous, including that 40-yard run that I just made fun of Shiano for. Um, the rest of the team didn't do too much, although Brown got in and, and rushed a little bit. He was not bad. Um, I think he had about 40 yards rushing. Um, as far as the team stats, um, we were actually outgained by Miami at the end of the day. They did score some late, got some late yards and had some late buildups. Uh, we had 292 yards overall. They had 311. Uh, they ended up running more plays than us. We had dominated time of possession early in the, the first uh, half, especially the whole first quarter. The, the announcers were talking about it, you know, left and right, how much we were dominating time of possession. But um, let's see. We were 5-12 of 12 on third down. They were 4-12. of 12. Uh, Passing yards, again, we only had 84 with Wimsat, whereas the other quarterback had 20 for 31 for 181 yards. Um, we did have a couple sacks. They didn't have any. And we obviously outgained them, 208 to 130. So that was a big deal. And just recapping this, and, you know, I'm going to put an end to this very short podcast. This is a big, big win for Rutgers fans, and everybody should be very happy. Think about this, guys. Rutgers was 40 last year, right? Uh, this year showed such good progress everywhere except for quarterback, which is an ongoing problem. But, you know, raise your hand, by the way, before the season. Raise your hand if you had Rutgers going 7-6 and six this year and beating Miami in a bowl game coming into the season. Anyone? No? <laughs> uh, Rutgers at one point, by the way, this season was 6-2 and two, and in the next game leading Ohio State, the number one team in the country, at the half. Any takers on that bet? Who would have bet that coming into the season off a 4-8 year? We'd be 6-2 and two and leading Ohio State, the number one team in the, in the country at halftime. Um, again, we had close losses. To Ohio State, to Michigan, to Wisconsin, and Penn State. And we really showed progress in just about every game. I mean, other than that Maryland game, which ugh, I don't know what it is about them, but we do badly. Um, you'll notice that we were close, even in against really good teams and even, you know, against, you know, even on the road. Notice that there's no 52 to 3 games around anymore, right? You don't see 42 nothing games, right? 56 to 17. There's none of that, right? We're in every game. Our defense is strong. <clears throat> it keeps us in games. The running game is solid. We're building the offensive line. We have some decent receivers coming in next year. Again, the only 
big, big problem is the quarterback, and it's a giant problem. Um, I'm not going to get down on them today, but it is a problem, and it's something that we have to change to be good teams. So, again, I don't think A.J. Sarace is going to play next year, but that's a podcast for another day. Other than that Maryland game, Rutgers showed tremendous improvement this year and tremendous progress. And if you're a Rutgers fan, you really want to relish this, right? Because it feels like the team is on the rise and you can feel the progress, right? You can feel it, right? It We're seven and six. We won a bowl game. We beat Miami, right? And you can feel the progress. In football, it takes a long time. It's not like basketball. You get one or two big recruits and suddenly you, you can be a great team. Football takes years and years, and in the conference we're in, it takes a really long time. We may never get to be Ohio State or Michigan or anything, but <clears throat> we can start to build our team you know, to a better level and where we can compete seriously each year. And uh, it's taken Chano you know, about the time you'd expect for him to start to turn this giant ship around. So it feels good. It takes time, but we seem to have the right man in place, and the future is certainly bright at Rutgers for Rutgers football. And that's all I'm going to talk about today. So. Thank you for listening to Jersey Guy Sports. Please subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends about it, and I'll be back soon with some more sports talk. Thanks and have a good day.